Welcome to the Baseball America podcast. Baseball America, bringing you baseball news you can't get anywhere else for more than 35 years. Now it's time to talk baseball. Here we would go Facebook Live with this as well. Uh, John does have his phone with him, so if you have any questions, you have any comments, you can share them with us, and we will uh, maybe look at a couple of those during the uh, during the Facebook Live and during the podcast. But I'll say this. Uh, Back when uh, the Cleveland Indians last won a, a World Series, there was only uh, the only phone that you had was you know a landline, and it might have had an exchange with You're five numbers. Say, yeah, it was and, five five two seven three. Exactly. And then uh, when the Cle- when the Chicago Cubs won a World Series, there were uh, you know you you did have uh, telephones, but they were I bet you had some competing. There were probably still active telegraph lines in 1908 oh, in a well, lot of the country. I was gonna say you, you may have a phone. There might be a phone on your block, but yeah. in many cases, or, you know, there were cities that didn't have, and you weren't connected at that right. point yet to the Long national distance, interchange. Exactly. It was you could call someone in your city. And then uh, when the Dodgers won a World Series, um, you know, I I had cell phones, but they were uh, of the. Uh, it was like in Wall Street. It was like a, the Michael Douglas variety. It was like the giant phone, and the same it was pretty attached much to your car. Pretty much the same thing for, uh, and I guess the last time the, the Blue Jays won one in 1993, I remember the Weezer song. I still listen to all the time. Uh, it was a B side. It was, what was it Jamie, where it says who's calling, who's dialing your car phone. They don't say when I sing it. I say who's dialing your cell phone. Well, that, but they I mean, say car phone. Let's put it this way: the last team that's left, the most recent team to win, that was still at a time where you either had an address book or Rolodex, or you memorized phone numbers. Because Correct. You didn't just say I'm going to dial so and so. You actually had to know. The yeah, name. I didn't have a computer when I was in college, and the, the Blue Jays beat the Braves in 1992, um, which was a big deal. Where we both we both went to school in the Southeast, and it was a big deal when the Braves won the World Series at our colleges. I mean, like when Francisco Cabrera hit that hit, yeah. uh, the campus got TP'd. It got rolled at uh, Carolina. I mean, I, <laughs> And I remember distinctly the next morning. It was like it was a similar to reaction to if North Carolina had gone to the Final Four, which it did the previous year and the next year. But '92, I mean, people went nuts for it. In any case, it's been a long time since any of these teams rocked or rolled. And right now, the Indians are a game away from their first World Series since what 1997, mm-hmm. their first pennant. So, um, so JJ, it's going to be uh, last night was a fascinating game. Um, we'll talk about that. Uh, and get right into it here. Uh, you know, do we, we want to intro it in? No, because we have gonna... Dave Slade, so okay. we don't have to do that. Um, so last night, first off, the first thing that I, I was I was running errands in the first inning, so I missed <laughs> seeing exactly what happened with Trevor Bauer. I've gone back and watched it, but I would have tweeted that we did have the two uh, Division One uh, strikeouts leaders from back to back years, 2011 and 2012. And those guys are boys. Uh, Trevor Bauer tweeted, I remember, in 2012, hey, congratulations, Marcus Stroman, for keeping the Division I strikeouts title in the Duke basketball fan family. And they went back and forth, and I unfollowed Bauer for his Duke baseball, I mean, basketball fandom. Um, but so last night could have been an extremely compelling starting pitching matchup, J.J., but we had one short-circuited and then one that went on entirely too long, where it just seems like John Gibbons hasn't been watching the rest of the postseason of, you can't leave your starting pitcher out there too long, and he did with Marcus well, Stroman. The, the best way to put it is, is that he treated Stroman, to me, like he was a bum garner, like he was a... Uh, regular, se- regular season game. Right. It, it, like, like he was a bum garner, like he was a Kershaw, like he was a Kluber, and I don't think Stroman's there yet. And I think that's part, you know, I don't think that he is a guy 
yet. He's a good pitcher. Right. Very good pitcher. But I don't think he's a guy that you say he's so good that him the third time through the lineup is better than what we've got in the pen. I think he's – I actually would say he's a good pitcher. but He's not very good yet. He's uh, – this year – yeah, he he's he inconsistent. Has, right yeah, well, he 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 gives up a lot of home runs, and you know, height doesn't measure heart, but height does matter when you don't get playing. Mm-hmm. And he when he misses, he misses flat, and he misses punished, and he got punished by Kipnis and, and uh, Napoli last night, and it was also just a, a the other lesson I thought of last night was the Indians bullpen besides their the two headed monster, but really besides Andrew Miller and then his. Uh, you know, his it's running his mate, exactly, Cody Allen. Who um, they will get to the flipping of them. Which, which was fascinating. Um, but the the rest of it is, uh, I wouldn't say a rogues gallery, but it's like the ghosts of past 7 to 10 top 10 prospect rankings. I ranked Zach McAllister in the Yankees as a, hey, he could be a back-end starter. I ranked Jeff Manship with the Twins, like, hey, he could be a back-end starter. And they both tried to be back-end starters. And the more what they and, ended up being is useful relievers. That's right. And Danny Otero, we never ranked as a back-end starter, but we did. he did job shadow us in 2004 in the old BA office old on Main office, Street. I remember that. Yeah, so when he was at Duke, he job shadowed us. So a lot of a lot of Duke in the house last night in the, uh, on the mound with Otero and Stroman and, and Duke basketball fan Trevor Bauer. But a uh, pretty impressive job by Terry Francona to, and by the whole Indians team to just – you know, overcome that bloody start by uh, Trevor Bauer. And now uh, they're with a 3 nothing lead when really uh, they haven't hit great in this series at all, but they've pitched outstanding and they have the single best players, the two best players in this series for me, Lindor and Andrew Miller. The, the other fascinating part of that for me is, is that they did it last night where their starting pitcher left the game in the first and they didn't burn anyone out. Like, right. The crazy thing is, is that that was something where they. Didn't, I don't think Mike Clevenger didn't pitch. Right. I, you know, Clevenger, and Ryan Merritt's going to start Game Four. It sounds like with one major league start under his belt. But they did that, and there's really not anyone that they threw last night where you say there is no scenario in which this guy pitches tomorrow. Right. They they did it where it was like no one pitched two innings. They they didn't burn out a bullpen, which does show partly how insane the bullpens, how insanely large the bullpens are it does. during the postseason. But I do think it also shows us it is something where I don't even know if this is going to be good for baseball in the long term, but it does show us where we keep being reminded with it is easier. It is easier to find relievers yes. who can go through four, three, four, five, six batters than it is to find guys who can go through a lineup for 18 to 27 batters. No question. Way easier. No question. And what we're seeing in this playoffs is, I mean, the Indians are the prime example of this because the Indians right now, if you take their projected rotation at the start of the season, you have Kluber. In this right. series, essentially, you're going to have Kluber left, Josh Tomlin, who was on the fringe of right. being part of that rotation. He was like their fifth or sixth starter early in the year. And that's it. That Those are the last and, healthy guys standing. And right they're now. up 3-0. Kluber pitched great. Tomlin pitched very well for, you know, but really what it comes down to is I almost like from a, it's the 162 is different, obviously. However, from a, an allocation standpoint, if the Indians do win this this year, because we know the league's a copycat league, if the Indians win it this year, they're coming on the heels of 
the Giants two years ago were very much a ace dominated. They won in the playoffs right. in large part because they had an ace and they had a good pitching staff. But the Royals have not really had an ace. The Royals were Certainly very much not. a bullpen oriented team. But they did have starters who went five innings. Right. You know? <laughs> the did. Indians, I mean, again, yeah. it, like if Ryan Merritt, and again, you know, is Merritt going to start game four? Is he going to start game five? But if Ryan Merritt makes a start, I would imagine that they will, the Indians will look at that as if, if they get 14, 15 batters out of them. I'm not talking 14, 15 right. outs. 14, 15 batters out of them, they'll go, good job tonight, and let's go. I don't know that one game that because they were able to bullpen last night's game is going to change everything. I still I do think that it's a big enough change that teams look for starters to go five innings in the postseason. Mm-hmm. And I think we've been talking like, I'm about not that. Saying in the that everyone's going to go to two inning. Right, but but I mean, like, there's no doubt that the trend lines are for fewer innings from starters. There's just no question about it, and that's not going to abate in any way, shape, or form unless we unless the rules get changed. Um, whether that's more interesting, is that better? For, is that going to make baseball grow as a sport? Um, you know, in in fan appeal, if you're watching a playoff game and instead of tuning in for Stroman versus Bauer, you get Otero versus Stroman, and then you get Manship, and say, then you Otero get, and Manship and McAllister. I'm saying so. So from an entertainment standpoint, all these trend lines are in the wrong direction. From a winning standpoint, I understand why the trend lines are in the direction they're in. But, I, I mean, if, if, if we're asking the Russell Crowe question, are you entertained? I'm not by bullpenning. It's not entertaining. You don't build stars that way. Just, and, and again, we just had the contrast the other day. It was much, it's much more entertaining and more compelling as television when it's Clayton Kershaw's show versus the bullpen show. It just is. Because there, Andrew Miller can be entertaining, but the reality of it is is that you're not going to have as many – Fascinating guys, big names pitching. When you talk about the casual fan. Yeah. Now, but let me ask you. We've talked. I mean, we've talked in the office about this. And we have said, I mean, there are obvious ways. If you want to get rid of the six-pitcher inning, which when you talk about from a television standpoint is a disaster. Brutal. Six-pitcher inning is a disaster because you are really talking about the minute you go to the six-pitcher inning, that's a 35-minute inning before anything else happens. Half inning. Yeah. Half inning. Half inning. Because <laughs> you had a 66-minute inning in one of those games. Right. And you're Nationals. saying before anything else happens. And let's say if you have a six-pitcher inning, probably are other things happening. But you're, you're talking about, okay, every two to five minutes there, you're going to have a three-minute break. Right. That's and not three to four-minute break. Yeah. That you can – there are ways you can legislate that. You can say you have to face two batters. You can only have – X number of pitching changes in inning, barring an injury, and if that injury happens, then that person has to go on the DL. There are right. things you can do for that. It's a lot tougher. It's it's not realistic to say no, no, no. Your starting pitcher has to face, has to go three innings, has to go right. five innings, has to. You know, I'm sorry. Yeah, he gave up ten runs in the first, but you have a choice. Yeah, yeah, that's 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 messing with the fabric of the game to a level that. Just cutting down on bullpen changes in inning. It's not the same. Yeah, not the same level for sure. Um, I I would love to have uh, people feedback on this either on our Twitter at JJCoop36. I'm at John Manuel BA or here at Facebook Live. We do have several questions. Uh, We've got Paul and Eric and Sam who are all chatting with each other, uh, 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 Indians fans. We're we're glad to provide you the forum uh, with which to to chat. Um, uh, I already lost my question. Jerry Halbert. 
Uh, what's our take on Napoli's contributions? I understand that he's been very inspirational. JJ, I do Marty think Napoli's. I do think there's something to this that Mike Napoli has been this interesting storyline career of when he was a an angel, and there was a thread with a lot of the. Uh, I'm gonna actually, I'm gonna go look this up while you talk. <laughs> I'll, I'll take a quick break and uh, find out who his signing scout was. Um, actually, I think I have this on. I'll find it on my desktop. But uh, my, there were scouting directors quizzing each other about who his signing scout was last night, whether it was Mike Silvestri of the Angels or whether it was uh, Todd Klaus. But Mike Napoli signed with the Angels, and basically Mike Sosha got rid of him because he didn't think he was good enough on defense. Talk about cutting off your nose to spite your face. All he's done is won. Both the Angels were good when he was there. The Rangers won with him. The Red Sox won a World Series with him. And now he might get the Indians of the World Series. He might play in his third different World Series for his third different team. Pretty impressive for a right-right converted catcher first baseman. He is, as we talked about, we talked about in the office, he's an archetype type guy. He's become that, Because now when you talk to guys, you get Napoli comps. All the time. As, as I think you had one scout say to you, or your one you know, front office official say, everyone's got a Napoli. Yeah, that doesn't thinks... mean that they're going to be Mike Napoli. But everyone has a, a catcher, usually a right-right catcher, yeah. who you're trying to make a catcher, who you know that the power's there, there's probably enough hit if he can catch, but it doesn't know. If you've got to move that guy to first base, you don't know if it's going to really work there. Napoli is the perfect example of what that guy can be. Right. You know, and... And really, for him, I do think that there's some advantage. I, I do think if Mike Napoli, I'll, I'll throw this out and what you okay. think about it. If Mike Napoli couldn't have caught it all, I don't know if he makes if he has anything like this career. I know that when it's all hmm. said and done, the Mike Napoli career is not going to be remembered in any way for his catching, and it shouldn't be. That right. never was right. the best thing that he does. But I think that being a catcher, Fringy as enough as it was, but being a catcher mm-hmm. gave him the chance to get established at the big league level, which then gave him the chance to develop into the all-round hitter slugger that he has become, where if he had just been a first baseman, it may have been too hard to clear that bar, because that is a very hard bar to clear to, be- to get regular at-bats as a right-right First baseman. I think he nailed it. I don't think there's any question that but because catching he catch, got him in the got his foot in the door. And then by the time he couldn't catch enough to catch, by that point he had established himself and he had developed into a well refined enough major league hitter, major league slugger, that you say, yeah, we can take him. We we can use him. And because even that that transition, there was that little stretch where it was like he was becoming less and less of a catcher. Right. But there's still in the back of your mind, it's like, well, he adds value to our roster because if we need to, we can throw him back there. I don't think there's a question. I think you nailed it. That's that's what got his foot in the door in the first place was being a catcher, and now he's certainly he's more flexible. You can see he's just he's changed his body over the years from what he was ten years ago, um, and that's just, and it does but, seem like he's got mojo too, like. He's got that little. He's got a little of that Johnny Gomes just kind of like soul that makes him a real positive in a clubhouse. That probably is one of the reasons why he was he got there as a catcher because it certainly wasn't the catch and throw. Right. He but, probably had a good makeup, rapport with pitchers. Makeup, makeup is absolutely a, is, a, is a is a valuable thing about a catcher making it or not. Yeah. If I remember correctly, because this is going back ten years roughly. It was again. Napoli couldn't catch well enough for the for Sosha for the Angels. Yeah. And so they went with that was when they went with they basically Jeff Mathis. Jeff Mathis instead. Correct. That wow, was, wow. They made the wrong call. Yeah, I mean, like in the words of the old guy in uh, 
in the last crusade. They chose poorly. I know Jeff Mathis is still a big leaguer, but Bad you would rather have Napoli than, than Mathis. I don't think it's really a... Uh... Connor Glass is going to be mad at me because I can't find this signing spreadsheet that he did for us uh, like in 2013 of all the guys who have ever been in the handbook with their signing scouts. And I, I'm, I'm sorry that I can't find that. While, while you're looking up more questions, I, I did want to make... Last night, okay, so obviously one of the stories, as you mentioned, was Bauer and the, the bloody, the, the oozing. I mean, yes, the, the, I the mean, bloody pinky game. The bloody pinky. Oh, that's the bloody which, pinky inning. Which, you know, is fascinating. That I learned a little bit something last night, like that there were there are limits to what they can do to... With stitches? With stitch, well, <laughs> not just with stitches, but there are things that if he wasn't a pitcher, you would do ah. that you can't do because then it becomes a foreign substance, all that. which That was, that was interesting, yes. Credit to, I think it was Buster Olney for, for that nice piece on that. They were talking a little bit about that on the uh, broadcast, uh, John Shambi and uh, Chris Singleton, while I was running to get Chinese food. We're talking about that on the broadcast. But, uh, but I do think Trevor Bauer understands... Like, I'm not saying he does not bring this some on himself. Because but he does. Because Trevor Bauer is an intelligent guy who knows he's intelligent and has very strong opinions of what he... And that is rubbed raw, multiple teams. That's why he was... One of the reasons that he was jettisoned very quickly. The Diamondbacks' first-round pick, who pretty much never got settled there before, was like, we are shipping you off because we are not confident in you. Yeah, we're tired of dealing with this mess. But I do think in the case of the drone accident, maybe we haven't talked about this also, maybe you disagree, but I do think in the case of this drone accident that... Because it's Trevor Bauer, it is being made up into this thing. Clearly, that is an accident. Trevor Bauer, there was no part of it on an off day where Trevor Bauer went, right. I'm going to slice my finger. Or even, you know, I got a chance I might slice my finger here. Let's do this anyway. Right. If another player had gone out on their off day and had gone golfing, which, you know, their hobby or whatever. Right. And something had happened and like, you know what? There was a freak injury, a freak accident, and they're not going to be able to go. It would have been... I'm not saying there would not have been some criticism. You're in the playoffs. Why are you... But it would have been... I do believe, really, it would have been treated differently than it is with Trevor Bauer because... shouldn't Shouldn't it be treated differently because it's Trevor Bauer? Because he has a history of not being... He is perceived as not being a team player. That's where this comes from. And by doing this, he totally let his entire team down and put them in a much more difficult position to win the game. They won the game anyway. But that's where this comes from, is that Trevor Bauer has earned the reputation of me before we. And that's why he got extra criticism, is that he does not do what everybody else does. And sometimes that upsets a fabric of a clubhouse. It's more to Terry Francona's credit that it has it in Cleveland. And it was more, I think, to the... Uh, detriment of the Diamondbacks, they devalued their own prospect because they let that dominate the the Trevor Bauer evaluation, as opposed to you know at UCLA where John Savage again took credit. He had two great pitchers and they were nothing alike. And I, I always I tell you the story. I remember seeing uh, Garrett Cole in the fall league. That must have been in 2011, the year he was drafted, and seeing him in the fall league and you know walking and talking to him for like 15 minutes and talking about Trevor. He was like, look. I, Trevor, he's a, you know, we got along, but we're totally different people, nothing alike, and we had to learn to be teammates, and they did. And because of that, UCLA got to the national championships years in 2010. Um, you know, that was a big reason why they did. It was because 
Cole and Bauer got along and pulled the same direction. Um, also because they were both freaking good. Yeah, I was gonna say. And they were really good. Um, that's one. That is one of the best the one-two bats. punches that you will ever see in college baseball. But that's why Bauer he deserves the extra criticism because he does. He's earned it. He's brought it on, and he's totally brought it on himself. And it is. I, and I, he did leave his team out to dry in that game, and they were fortunate to win the game. So I mean, what happens now? <clears throat> what if they go to the World Series? And this doesn't work against the Dodgers. Well, that's one of the questions. Uh, John and JJ, do you think the Indians sweep? Asked by Eric Simmons. Honestly, I don't think they sweep because I think they're starting Ryan Merritt in game well, no, four. No, I, I think the Blue Jays will well, win the game. Well, let's go through this. So your choices are if you're Francona, who's pretty much done everything right so far in the playoffs. But your choices are, do you bring back – you've got a 3-0 lead. Do you bring back Kluber – and by doing so, at least open up the opportunity that if this goes awry hmm. and you need Kluber in Game 7, it's much more of an option if hmm. he goes Game 4. Or do you basically treat it as, you know what, this is the Ryan Merritt-Mike Clevenger game. Right. Where if we get 6 or 7 out of those, and it may be ugly, and we may be, we may be down far enough, quickly enough, where we go, you know what, Andrew, you know, Miller's not pitching tonight. Allen's not pitching tonight. Brian Shaw's not pitching tonight. Okay, we gave him one. It's 3-1. Arrested Kluber. Arrested Miller. Arrested Allen. Arrested Shaw are there for game five, which gives you a better chance probably of winning game five. Or do you say, you know what? You, you treat the one you can win right now. We have a better chance of winning with Kluber. And it gives us a little bit of a fallback that you don't have as much. I'm not saying it's not even in this playoffs what we've seen after we see what Clayton Kershaw and right. everything. I'm not saying if Corey Kluber pitches in game five that there's no chance he pitches in game seven. It'd be five, and then there would be a break for one day, and then game six, and then game seven. He would not pitch as far. He would maybe not be as effective. But right. So it's not, to me, it's not a slam dunk. I agree. As maybe it would seem like it is. You can either basically go with game four thinking we may lose game four, but we really should win five or six or seven. Or you can say, I mean, which way would you fall? I think Terry Francona's experience is that a 3 nothing lead is not safe. <laughs> so um, I, I think his experience is you play to win the game. Uh, you know, Herm Edwards' epic quote is, nothing is more true in sports. You play to win the game, and Francona has seen what can happen when you have a 3-0 lead and you lose that first game. Uh, you just don't want to let the Blue Jays think they can get back in this series. So I think he'll play to win the game, but I think to win the game, his best chance is to, you, to not use Corey Kluber tonight on short rest. That's my opinion. Mm-hmm. I think that uh, you, you, the, the, the best way to win the game is to use the pitchers who you have scheduled to pitch and you just showed your team yesterday, hey, guys, we won this game with Danny Otero and Jeff Manship and Brian Shaw pitching early, and we can do that again in game Right, because four. again, none, of those, guys, in game three. none right. of those guys went three innings or anything where you say they have nothing left. And then the thing is, you know for game five, you do have Kluber, so you, can ha- you do have a guy who you're in good shape to go six innings and, and, and get you to that two-headed monster of Allen with his little small. Little I was gonna head. say it's like a one and, and a half headed monster. Right, know. it's like it's like the uh, Cody Allen. There's a halo effect 
if you pitch with Andrew Miller, yes, it makes you seem more dominating. You really do. It's a good running mate to have. Andrew Miller is an excellent running mate to have, and uh, that, that's a good ticket. I'd vote for the Miller-Allen ticket well, because Andrew Miller is really, really good at what he does. We just talked about Francona a little bit, and that was something we were, that you were talking about before. Yeah, it'd be a good way to wrap. Although that, I, I will double-check yeah. real quick. Aaron Sim, Eric Simmons asks, is this the year the Cubs finally get to the World Series? I think it is. I think so, too. I do. I, I agree on that one. Um and uh, Paul Evice, sorry, Paul, I don't know how you pronounce your last name. Making a pitcher face two batters is messing with the fabric of the game. I would posit that the fabric of the game has been messed with enough by the preponderance of specialization in bullpens. So Tony Larusa unleashed this Pandora's box on the rest of us, and I'm ready to put it back in the box a little when bit. When you say that, like when you say messing with the fabric of the game, if you went back to baseball in its origins, not even origins, 70 years into the game, and you pick someone up from there and put them into 2016, ah, they missed. would not understand. Like, they would really be like, wait, what is he doing? He's- but in 1920, they said that guys who played in the 1880s were watching the game in 1920 right, right, and yeah, going, these cheap home runs, this is messing with the fabric of the game. Ohas- Everyone's always said that. Ohas is like, wait, he's not starting in tomorrow? Exactly. That's right. <laughs> he's messing with the fabric of the game. Five man, Four man rotations of poppycock. So <laughs> the fabric of the game has been messed with. Um, Paul also asks... Can you even risk carrying Bauer on the roster of the World Series? Because if he can't pitch, they may be able to replace him if he had the injury before the series started. That is a big question with Bauer. Um, oh, I, I do think... you can they fix his hand enough in the next week to carry him on the World Series roster? I I don't know. I think that's really going to be a question for their medical team. It sounds. I mean, and you work into their okay. I mean, this, their medical team's going to be very busy because then you have, is Danny Salazar done? Is there any hope that Danny Salazar can be back for the World Series? Yeah. There's all kind of things going on. There's a lot on. of things at play, but for sure. You have to, after last night, you've essentially now had a, a, one, a less than one inning experiment. And what we have determined from that is, is that the stress of throwing a 95-mile-an-hour fastball seems to be greater than the stitches we're able to handle. <laughs> so that's right. And so... At the least, you're going to have stitches. to you're going to have to go a bullpen a bullpen session where he shows that he can throw more than a few batters. And hey, look, it's still you know I should say this. Hey, look, it's still there. It's not right. bleeding because yeah, that you can't go through that nightmare scenario again. It worked out well last night. You can't go through that again. Todd Klaus, the Napoli signing scout. So glad I found that. It's <laughs> driving me nuts. My sister asks, thanks for watching, Cleo. What do you think of the Blue Jays? Jose Batista saying the American League Championship Series is fixed and the Blue Jays have been at a disadvantage in the strike zone. I, I echo my sister's sentiments. Wah. Joey Bats. Joey Bats is not a, 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 an easy loser. And he, th- this is one I thing. I mean, this is one of the things that when you have competitors. That's right. This is what happens. As Jerry Maguire said, we live in a world of tough competitors. That's I mean, one of the worst end speeches but it, is, but it is something where it is something where if you the necessary arrogance yeah if you have that one of the subsets of that one of the after effects of that is is that it very well may lead to you kind of almost okay they don't have us yet this right. it, it, they, we just been cheated we're gonna go out and do it today that's right um, I, he he should talk to Russell Martin because while I love Russell Martin's hands apparently he's not as good as pitch framing as Roberto Perez, and he hasn't been helping his pitchers, and they needed the help uh, in this series, getting those close calls. Uh, last but not least for me, JJ, 
I do think that the rest of us who aren't in Canada, I'm sure Canadians know this and Blue Jays fans know this, but do take a good look at the Blue Jays in Game 4. Because Joey, Joey Bats, Jose Batista, has been a great player in Toronto. He's hit 270 home runs in his, uh, I think it's 268 actually, in his nine seasons there in Toronto. That era is ending. Uh, certainly looks like he's a future DH, maybe a first baseman. His outfield defense, which was exposed last year by the Blue, by the uh, Royals, what not you, so what good this year. Be a great arm is no longer a great. It arm. is not. It is. He has lost arm strength for sure. By he's had way, a, he's had a hell of a career. Way, it is interesting. I hope he gets paid this offseason, but I don't think it's going to be by the Blue Jays. It was interesting. This another story. Stories that we just have to find time to write. But one of them was about the the everyday utility guy. Yeah. And I talked to a scout, and he's like, you know who's probably the first guy I turned in as an everyday utility? Jose Batista? Jose Batista. Hmm. Because it's easy to forget. That At one point, that was kind of, that looked like a logical role for him. Yeah, Jose he, Batista signed by the same scout who also signed uh, Matt Moore. Um, Jack Powell signed him for, uh, uh, out of Chipola Junior College, and then was out west and signed Matt Moore in New Mexico. So two pretty good guys for him to have signed. Um, also the last game, potentially, in, in a Blue Jay uniform for Ed Wing. Edwin Encarnacion, I should do the rest of the podcast like this. First of all, he's one of my favorite players in Major League Baseball because the guy certainly knows how to have fun. Second of all, he's averaged 39 home runs a year the last five years. Only guy with more home runs in that span in the big leagues is Chris Davis. Did you know that? I did not. Those are the two guys with the most home runs in baseball the last five years. Chris Davis and Edwin. And I'm sorry, Edwin's better. Ed, much more consistent. And, and three, Edwin is going to get paid this offseason, so... The Blue Jays' identity for the last seven years basically has been their right-handed power hitters, Batista and Edwin. The last five years, especially those two I was guys. Say, and then in the last two, you've added the, the better. Now, now Josh Donaldson's the better player, and then they added Martin and Tulowitzki, and that that quintet is what got them to back-to-back playoffs. That's an impressive quintet of players. They're going to have a new identity. So the old Blue Jays that Alex Anthopoulos and those scouts built. This is the last run for that group. They didn't, you know, draft and develop Edwing and uh, Bautista, but those two guys were the foundation upon they, which the rest of the team was, was built. Say, they didn't draft and that foundation going away. At the same time, they signed both of them when both of them were viewed as really spare part type players. Absolutely. I mean, Edwing was uh, acquired in a trade for Scott Rowland, but then, then DFA'd, picked up by the A's, and they DFA'd him, and the Blue Jays got him back. And wisely kept him. So, and Jose Batista, really like the, the most famous Rule Five pick, vagabond in a long time. I mean, no, no one was Rule Five. They went through four different teams. Like it was that like, guy. Well, we like him, but we can't keep him. The oh, Royals, like him, the Orioles, the Pirates, somebody up. The Mets. Rays, I think, was the. I think I, I thought it was the Rays. A lot of teams had Jose Batista. The Blue Jays kept him, and they were rewarded. So those two guys, uh, pending free agents, and uh, the one flap up here for Edwin. But. To finish up, though, so you had a good point about Terry Francona, about Tito. What was it that you were talking before we went on here about Francona and what this postseason could mean for him? For me, uh, we've got these two managers who are active in Terry Francona and Bruce Bochy, who together have won five World Series. And Terry Francona, you know, we talk a lot in baseball media about Theo Epstein and how he would go straight to the Hall of Fame if he ended the curse in Boston and then ended the curse in Chicago, uh, just as a small dissent, I don't believe in curses. But um, if he ended those two World Series droughts, but Terry Francona might end two World Series droughts, one in Boston as the manager of the 04 Red Sox and 07, 
but also with Cleveland, which hasn't won a World Series since 1948. And there's certainly I some mean, mojo with Cleveland. I mean, uh, Le- LeBron certainly helped by coming back to Northeast this, Ohio. This, 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 this could end up being so by far the greatest year in Cleveland sports fans' history. Correct. It essentially vanquishes, you know, 50-plus years of... 1964, the last championship in that city before the Cavs this year. And if the Cavs and Indians do the double, I mean, it'd be crazy. But, I mean, I think it. you look at that Indians team and their outfield is patchwork in a lot of ways. It's a great infield, but Jose Ramirez certainly is not a profile third baseman. So... They got, they're they're and, playing a backup catcher. And two years ago, right, two years ago when the Indians first like started surging a little bit under Terry Francona, you're like, wow, Jan Gomes would be a big part of this. Jan Gomes got hurt, started to turn back into a pumpkin, and now they have Roberto Perez. Um, so, And even their rotation right now is decimated. So it's been nimble front office, I mean, making the absolute right move I'm with Andrew out, Miller. But not this. They went out and acquired Jonathan Lucroy. And then that fell apart. They were told no thanks. They were told nah, nah. And they still are sitting here one game away from the World Series, having failed to acquire what seemed like one of the biggest acquisitions of the trade deadline. Right. No, that should have been uh, one of the big deals. And they and they have a farm system, by the way. These Indians aren't going away. It's this a strong is still farm really, system. Yeah. It is, and that's even, even after, after the trade, trade with, the, yeah. with the Yankees. So, so to me, Terry Francona's legacy is mm-hmm. I would say on the line, but it's part of it here too. Um, like we talk about uh, Theo Epstein's, Terry Francona, to me, I think he already has a Hall of Fame managerial resume, personally, two World Series and what he's done. But doing it in Cleveland but, and winning a World Series in two different cities like that would cement it. I would say even if he even wins one more and makes it to the World Series with his Cleveland club, where you take in a Cleveland club and you did, obviously, what he did in yeah. Boston, I would say that there you could make the argument there. That like even if he didn't win the World Series, then, right. especially when you look at... This team right now, as you just said, I mean, this is not the team. The Indians front office thought this was going to be a good year, but this was not the team that they intended to be here. There's the starting rotation is not what they thought it would be. Absolutely. The outfield is not what they thought it would be because they thought Michael Brantley would be back to being Michael Brantley. A lot of things have not gone according to plan. Their catcher is not there. There's so many things that... I don't think they went, you know, Lonnie Chisenhall is going to be a you know, <laughs> Profile key right outfielder. Outfielder, yeah, key yeah. right fielder for us in this. All these things... He gets credit for that. Whether, you know, I, again, you can't say how much of that because the players deserve credit. He too, deserves credit for but, that, though. But he does get credit, and he should, for what they've done there. Good stuff, JJ. And uh, I got to tell you, my I'm right arm got tired. The, I was going to say, I'm freaked out <laughs> by the Edwin. Oh, I, oh, but plus, I'm showing yeah. you my poison ivy, yes. which is not good. It's getting, it's getting I, worse. I'm kind of moving like that. A I'm bit. sorry. Well, I'm, I'm going to rest my right arm now. But I do, uh, my sister's upset that we ended up talking about the Blue Jays. But I love Ed Wing. I just think he's awesome and uh, look forward to following his career. I wouldn't mind seeing a couple more games of American League Championship Series. I wouldn't mind seeing a little drama and just one game of a blue, one Blue Jays win. But we're going to get it's, – it's the undercard. It goes back to being yep. the undercard today as it's an afternoon game. Cubs-Dodgers game three tonight and uh, Blue Jays-Indians game four this afternoon. Hey, drink it in. This is a great time of year for baseball. Great time of year to subscribe to Baseball America. Uh, organization top 10 start dropping next week. And this week, pretty draft, exciting. draft report cards are going up this oh, yeah. week, which is subscriber-only content. So go to BaseballAmerica.com slash store. There's a plethora of ways that you can subscribe. You can get the magazine and the online content. If you get the magazine, you're going to get the online content. But you can also just get the online content if you want. You can get the digital edition. 
a lot of different ways. So a lot of different ways to consume Baseball America content because it's 2016. So for some more of that content and to turn off this uh, Facebook Live, he's JJ Cooper. I'm John Manuel. We'll see you back here at facebook.com slash Baseball America Mag and another Baseball America podcast. So long, everybody. This concludes our program. Want more in-depth baseball coverage? Be a better fan. Visit BaseballAmerica.com to get more comprehensive baseball coverage. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun? Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.